Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Jonathan texted me and asked me if I could be here tonight. The moment he texted me, first thing that popped in my mind was Acts chapter 17, 1 through 12. And the Overwatch TV. And at first I was like, why? Why do I want to talk about reading the Word? A group of people that talk to about reading the Word all the time. But then that's when it kind of hit me. My entire childhood, I was a question machine. I ask questions constantly. Thank the Lord, I was blessed to be with a grandfather and a dad who did not mind answering all of my questions. I would ask a question on anything and everything, but not in a disrespectful manner. They told me to dig a hole, my first question was why. Not disrespectfully, I just had to see the whole picture. Even when I was a little kid, I didn't stand it. I wanted to know why we're digging that hole. So we can build that fence. Why we're building that fence? So we can put some cows in that field. Okay, now I know why we're doing what we're doing. <clears throat> so, tonight, Acts chapter 17, if y'all want to stand with me, I'll read it. Verses 10 through 12. <clears throat> the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. <clears throat> now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowd. And the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who, conducted, those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Amen. Oh dear Lord, be with us tonight. Be with us and bless us. Put a hedge of protection around us, Lord, and protect us from the evils of this world. Lord, work through me and give me the words to say tonight that you'll have me to say. Now, these Jews were no, more noble than those in Thessalonica. First of all, <clears throat> how? How? What made them more noble? Be noble is not just to be a king, but also to be more moral, more high standard. The adjective verb, or the adjective of noble. Put yourself up intellectually high. How would they do it? They first examined these scriptures. Paul went everywhere he went. First place he went, straight to the synagogue, straight to the Jews. Didn't hesitate. He just got beat up and thrown out of Thessalonica and just traveled 60 miles all the way here to Berea. Does he sit back and take a break? No. Straight to what God sent him to do. 
What did he do? He goes straight to the synagogue and starts preaching. What does he preach? He preaches the word. It always fascinates me because he's, he's preaching the word of God. He's preaching the Old Testament. But he's also writing the New Testament as he's preaching the Torah. Now the Bereans, they accepted it. How did they accept it? They didn't do like the Thessalonians and get angry and run him off. They went straight to the word. They went straight to the word to see if what he was saying was true. They examined the scriptures. How often did they do it? Daily. Every day. Every time he was there. That's the first thing they did. Do what he has to say? Go to the word. What we must do now. That's what a lot of people around us are not doing. I was asked not that long ago in life form, how do people fall for false religion? Simple. They don't do like the Bereans to go to the Word. They listen to what a man says, not what God says, God's holy word says. Why were they more noble? They received it with all eagerness. They eagerly received the word. They weren't rejectful of it. They didn't disdain it. They didn't kind of roll their eyes. They didn't say maybe later. Took it now. Eagerly. Not just a little bit. They wanted it every, every chance they could get the word of God. And if you look at it from a noble standpoint and from the kings, and you go back to Deuteronomy chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18, it commanded the kings. Not only did he have to read the law, which is the book of Deuteronomy, but he also had to write the law down. So even us as leaders of our own house, not only should we read, we must read. We're commanded, the king was commanded to read, then write it down, and then keep his copy of his written law that he wrote on him at all times. As men, as leaders of our house, and everybody in our house, we're not reading in the word, we can't lead our house. We can't lead those around us. We can't lead the little ones around us. We can't truly lead because we're not allowing God to first lead us. He first leads us with his word that he wrote down right here. That's what made the Bereans noble. But it transformed the Bereans. Many of them believed. Goes on to say, what, what was the outcome of it? Many believed. It transformed them. They got salvation. Now, it also transformed the Thessalonians. If you go back before that, to verse 6, it says, and when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the others before the city council shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. The word of God not only turns us upside down, when we read it, and gives us salvation, because before we read the word, before we came to Jesus, we didn't have salvation. We were sinking. The word of God also turns all of those that don't believe and refuse to believe upside down. It turned the whole town of Thessalonica so, up, so far upside down they had a riot. And they had to sneak them out at night. It wasn't Paul. The word of God that turned it up. The word of God, if we want to change this world, those around us, anybody around us, that isn't living righteous life, that'll first start with the word. We can't start with the word if we don't read the word ourselves. We don't consume it daily, just like the Bereans. It also says, <clears throat> and also Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah, not only did he read the word, God gave him the word, wrote it down. He went to King Jehoiakim. Baruch the scribe, King Jehoiakim, refused to let Jeremiah in his presence. He was banned from being within King Jehoiakim's presence. So he writes down what God tells him, gives it to gives it to Baruch. Baruch takes it up there. What does King Jehoiakim do? Tears it up, piece by piece. Throws it in the fire. Burns. What does God tell him? No longer have a man to sit on the throne. A son of his will sit on the throne because he refused the word of God. And also he would be dragged out in the streets not be given a proper burial. He was the leader of a nation. Obviously, he didn't write it down. He was lying. He didn't do like he was told to do. But also, he was totally just rejected it from burning. For us as Christians, we have to consume the Word. We have to fill our spiritual tank. We have to listen to our Father speak to us so then we know what to pray to Him. Just like Daniel did. When Daniel was reading the Word, he was reading the book of Jeremiah. And that's when he realized in chapter 9 that the 70 years were up. And he immediately dropped on his knees and started praying. He didn't know what to say to God in his prayers until he first listened to God. We have no idea what to say to God until we first read his word. Another, another point for why we must read the word, if you go to Matthew, see the Great Commission, chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. What did Jesus say? Go forth into all nations and make disciples of men. What did he say after that? Teaching them to obey. We can't teach anyone unless we first read it. First tell them how to read. Jesus didn't explicitly say you must read, but he said we must teach. We don't know what to teach until we first read. <coughs> now I did a little study on how to become an expert. You might become an expert at anything. Anybody want to take a guess at how many hours of doing whatever it is, playing volleyball, shooting a gun, pulling arrows, riding a horse, whatever. To become an expert, take a minimum of 10,000 hours doing it. If we're going to read the Word, we're going to be experts at it. We are to teach those around us about God about the Word of God, we have to put the time in to read. Now, I know I think what was it, 42,000 hours to become a brain surgeon, to be an expert brain surgeon? I know I can't attain that. But I have to try. It's demanding to try. Can't give up. And another reason why we all need to read the Word is this, the Word is considered a sword. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. It's considered the sword of God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end. The sword of God. Swords can be used both offensively and defensively. Now, if you, if you jump on down to verse 19, he says, And also for pray for me, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth. 
Not only is he calling the word of God a sword, but he's also praying, asking for prayer requests to have more words given unto him. Basically, sharpen your sword. Our sword is to always be sharp and ready. Ready to use both defense and offense. Whenever Jesus was attacked, whenever he was tempted by Satan, his first response in all three attacks, in all three temptations, Satan laid upon him was, it is written. All three times, he defended Satan's temptation with the word of God. All of them started with, it is written. Also, whenever he was having confrontations with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, he said, it is written. It is written. Or do you not know? Or have you said? That was always both. His defense was with the offense. In um, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, Sadducees coming to him, ask him about the resurrection. When they ask him about the woman whose husband dies, and when his brother dies, and his brother dies, and like who's he going to be married to? And the Sadducees, they were the priests. They were the sons of Aaron. They were in the temple. They're supposed to know this. Clearly they did. So Jesus looked at them and said, Have you not read? And he responded with the words. They weren't even reading the word. They were supposed to read the word. They were commanded to read the word. They were the leaders of Israel, spiritual leaders. They were failing to do their job. Forty years later, Sadducees are wiped out. The Roman Empire comes and you never hear the word Sadducee again. They disappear. Why? Because they failed to teach. Why? Because they weren't reading the word. <clears throat> Nine times he says, Have you not read? Sadducees and to the Pharisees. I didn't get to count how many times he said, It is written to the Sadducees and to the Pharisees. And then Peter, in 1 Peter 3 13 through 15, he gives us the defense. Be ready to give thee a defense. But in, your, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Jesus did it with gentleness and respect every time he did it. The only time he didn't do it with gentleness is the only time we ever see our Lord and Savior show anger. And that's when he walked into the, to his house and saw them, saw the den of robbers in there. That was the only time he ever broke bad in someone. But the word came out of his mouth. It is written, my house will be a house of prayer. Same thing. See it repeated constantly. <clears throat> now reading of the word will end in salvation. Hopefully, prayerfully. It brings us the good news. This is the greatest love story ever told. The love story that God laid down for us to save us because he loves every single one of us. It landed in salvation for many of the Bereans, the Jews, some of the Jewish Bereans there, and the Gentiles. What we should all hope for, well, what we all want, 
by looking for ourselves and those around us. We can't do that for anybody else unless we're first here, listening to the words of God and heeding the words of God. <clears throat> In 2 Corinthians 13 and 15, examine yourselves. See if we are in the faith. You know, a lot of teachers who go to church, they go to church here with us. How do you take an exam? Well, you take an exam, you must first be immaterial. See. And take the test. And examine yourself. See if you're truly in the faith. <clears throat> Got cough drops this week. Hopefully, it won't be as bad, but I can feel it coming. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 25, 1-11. It's a parable. The parable of the foolish bridesmaid or the foolish virgin. Now the church throughout the whole entire Bible is considered the bride of Christ. When you get to Revelation chapter 19, we see this wedding unfold. And it's the wedding. It's when we, we're all raptured up. And we're with, we're with Jesus in heaven. And it depicts the wedding, the wedding feast. Now this parable here, it's depicting a wedding. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like, well, hold on, I should paraphrase here. This is the lead up when the disciples ask Jesus about the end of days. What will it be? He tells them that. After the Mount of Olives. He tells them what the end of days is going to be like. And this is a parable he uses to describe the end of days. And the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. But when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took glass of it with them <coughs> with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And all the virgins rose and stripped their lamps. Foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone. The wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. While they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. Those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. Or was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, <clears throat> I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. <clears throat> now I've listened to a lot of stuff and read a lot of stuff on this. And you get into the parables. Everybody likes to talk about what each scene in here means. Lamps that they were holding, just to signify that they've accepted Jesus. So half of them, all of them there accepted Jesus, foolish and the wise. And the reason why they needed a lamp or light, because back then weddings weren't like they are now. Bride, I mean the groom would come and get the wedding party and get the bride, and they always came at sunset. And they had a light, so then they could have like a procession going through town. Everybody could see all those that had the light were in the wedding party. 
like all of us Christians are going to be in the wedding party in heaven. <clears throat> now, there never was really a set time for the wedding. Because the groom, <clears throat> he, they would make the proposals, they would basically be married, but then he would go build a place for his new bride. Like he's doing for us now. Then, once the place was built, he had the farm set up, the house set up to start a family, he would come back and get the bride. And of course, that's when the wedding would take place. <coughs> that's when it would take place, just like we see depicted here. And like I said, normally it would start about sunset, and then he would come get them, they would all come back, they'd have a general idea of when they'd be ready. But here we see the bridegroom tarrying, just like Jesus said. He said, I do not know the day or the hour that I'm going to come back to you. So the bridegroom tarries. They wait. Half of them are ready. Half of them are prepared. They have a flask full of oil so they can keep their lamp lit. Many people think that's their grace, salvation, their spiritual fuel tank, if you will. They are prepared, living a just, righteous life. <coughs> Half of them are, the wise men. My question was why? And back to my question. Why weren't the five foolish ones prepared? And it didn't. They didn't read the wedding invitation. This. This is our wedding invitation. Where it clearly states that the bridegroom does not know when he's going to come back for the wedding. They don't know what time of day. Be prepared in any hour and to always be prepared. But the foolish ones, the foolish bridesmaids, would have just sat down and read the wedding invitation. But to realize, they'd examine themselves and realize that they were not prepared for the They had to be prepared. We have to be prepared. We're to be prepared. We must always stay in We must always be Even when we think that we are, we have to stay We can always be prepared. Every single one of us. Why? I wanted to end on the why. <coughs> In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 7. How were the wise wise? Because they read the wedding invitation, yes. But in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, in the NASB, I like the NASB because the other ones are a little different, but the NASB says the beginning of wisdom is this. Acquire wisdom. But some translations say get wisdom. I like this one because acquire wisdom and with all your possessions acquire understanding. And in Hebrew, the word acquire <coughs> purchase. Purchase. This wisdom, wisdom of God, has been purchased for you. Read it. Pay for it. 
Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.